morning. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here. <clears throat> I know you were expecting Pastor Lynn, and, uh, but um, he's taking the day off. So you got me. It's wonderful to be here. <clears throat> I want to say thank you. Um, Kenny, I think you gave me too much credit, but I'll take it. Everything he said is true. Yeah. No, no. It's wonderful to be one of God's children, isn't it? I've, I've prayed, I've studied this week, I've asked God to give me a special word for as many of you as, as the Holy Spirit can splatter today. I honor the office of the pastor. He's the heavy guy here. I'm just, uh, I'm just an extra. Sometimes it's good to bring someone else in. God can confirm his word through different people. But it's an honor here. I feel very humbled. You'll notice immediately I'm not... Uh, Excellent at English. I've been practicing the English language for a, about five decades now. I still hadn't quite got it, but we, still, we continue to work on it. So you pray for me. I was born in Crittenden County, and no one can talk right in Crittenden County. So I've got a little bit of a handicap, but we, we just press right on through it. Once you look at your neighbor and give him a high five and say, I think this guy's going to be okay. Funny thing happened a few months ago, my wife and I, my wife, by the way, is uh, in church in Atlanta uh, with our daughter there. She doesn't like to travel as much as me, and she really hates my driving, so she's not here today. She's in the safety of uh, her own driving uh, somewhere in Gainesville, Georgia today. But uh, my wife and I have been married for over 14 years, very sweet person, very good person, uh, beautiful, holy uh, a, a great wife, and I'm thankful for her. Her name's Dion. Dion and I were out to lunch one day. Um, <clears throat> we used to work together. Now we don't work together. She's kind of started her own business. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. Dion and I went to our favorite Mexican place there in Atlanta. There's not a lot of good Mexican restaurants in Atlanta. We're still trying to find a good one, but in, until we find it, we just keep on hanging in there and doing the best we can. We was at this place called Mr. Taco, and... Um, we go there about once every two months and, and have our lunch. I want to set this story up with this verse that I pulled out a while ago that I found. Let me read this first. It's in Ezekiel 46. It says that when the people enter, the prince will enter with them. And when they leave, the prince will leave with them. Now that's a story out of Ezekiel where God is teaching Ezekiel about how to set up the new temple they were building. But when I read that a few weeks ago, I thought, how interesting. This is kind of like us. You know, I can imagine when this building is empty, there's probably just not a whole lot of Holy Ghost activity that goes on in here. But you know what? When you walk in this building, the prince enters with you. Can you say amen? And I've got even better news. When you walk out of this building, the prince walks out with you. And he goes everywhere that you goes. So we better go to the right places because the prince is going to be with us. Well, Dion and I were at Mr. Taco. And I think I was probably having a um, Speedy Gonzales. That's one of my favorite. Which is not that important. But I'm sitting there eating. And, and we notice these two guys come walking in. I notice them. One guy's a little older than me and one guy's a little younger. The guy that's a little older... Looks a little worn, a little battle-weary. Looks like he's had kind of a tough way to go. I just noticed him. Nothing 
especially remarkable about him. I just noticed him. So we continued to eat, and I, I noticed where he sat down. He's over there sitting with his young associate, and we continued to eat, and we're trying to get finished so we can go get a Starbucks. You know, that's, that's pretty exciting. That was on our calendar that day. So I, about the third or fourth time I looked at this guy, I go, I got to do something. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to do something. And uh, my heart starts beating kind of fast. My palms get a little sweaty. I'm like, what am I going to say to this guy? So Dion doesn't know this is going on. She says, well, we're done. Let's go get coffee. And I said, honey, I'll meet you there. I got to go talk to this guy. Okay. So, so uh, she goes and uh, uh, I walk over there. And will this squeal if I get down here? Oh, I like that. Thank you. Okay. You're, on a da- you're in a dangerous location here, sir. Okay, I'm just joking. So I walked over to that guy, and I thought, Lord, i got to say something. I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say something to him because I know he's on your mind. I know he's on your heart. You see, when I walked into that restaurant, the prince walked in with me. <laughs> and you never know what's going to happen. Isn't that exciting? Isn't it exciting that you cannot predict what God's going to do for you next? You don't even know. We're just walking this life, just, man, anything can happen. So I walk over to this guy and, uh, uh, sir, I'm going to pick on you. God bless you. How are you? Good. You're looking good. So I walked over there to him and I said, um, sir, I don't know you, obviously. And uh, I don't know anything about you. And I'm just shooting from the hip, Pastor Lynn. I'm just shooting from the hip. I don't know anything about you. I don't know if you've had a good life. I don't know if you've had a bad life. And at that point, he interrupted me. And he said, well, and he bent his head down. He had this big old scar on top of his head. He says, I just had that done a couple of, two or three weeks ago. And I thought, wow, that's something. I'm sorry to hear about that. So I thought, well, that's it. He's, he's got a head problem. He had an injury. He said, and I went to the doctor the other day. And he says, my heart's give out. I'm all out of steam. There's nothing left. My heart is wore out. I thought, my goodness. So, you know, we're in the middle of a restaurant, you know. I says, well, I'll tell you what. I don't know what else to tell you. But I says, I will tell you this, sir. If I was you, I think I would turn my expectancy up to full blast. Because I was just sitting over here trying to eat my Mexican food a while ago. And God pointed you out to me about four times And the only thing I can tell you is I'm just minding my own business, but you are on God's heart today, sir. And you've got these problems. You say your heart's wore out. And if I was you, I think what I would do is I would flip my faith switch on, sir, and I would turn my expectancy on because the God who made everything has taken note of you today. And when you walked into this restaurant, God said, I have seen your injuries. I have seen your wore out heart. And sir, I'm going to do something for you today. He's just looking at me. Well, you know, he's, he's ready. He's with me. He's cool. I said, so I would expect God to do anything. I said, are you a Christian? I figure I better make sure he's saved. My goodness, can't get him healed if he's not saved. I said, are you, even, are you a Christian? And uh, he said, well, I don't go to church much. 
So real quick, I tried to explain the gospel in 10 seconds or less. I said, uh, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe He died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe God raised Him from the dead for your justification? Do you believe you're on your way to heaven? He said, yeah. I said, all right. All right. So I'm thinking, okay, he's cool. We're ready to go. So I'm thinking, well, my work's done here. I don't know what else to do. I didn't feel like I should lay hands on him. I felt like I should make an announcement to him and tell him, God sees you where you are now. Isn't that fun? So as I'm walking away, I said, by the way, what's your name? He says, Patrick. I says, Patrick, that's what my name is. Isn't that something? And he kind of grins. I was much more excited about that than he was. So I shook their hands. I said, keep the expectancy switch turned on. You know, we hear God so much clearer when we're desperate. When our heart is so full of life and, and this, this, is a, this is harder when you're young. I'm just going to tell you younger people, it's harder when you're young. You've got so many things and life is so exciting and, and your possibilities are endless. But I want to encourage you to make time for God when you're young. Because He's holding this whole thing together. The Bible says God opens His hand and He satisfies the desire of every living soul. You need to learn early in life who holds your desires. God has wired you differently than anyone else. We're going to be talking about that today. Well, I wanted to share that story with you about my experience in the Mexican restaurant and assure you that everywhere you go, the prince is walking in there with you. Now, I gave a little bit of a free sampling of the message today on Facebook. Pastor Lynn said he liked it, but I'm going to give you the full deal so no one else saw it, I don't think. But I want to share with you a message that is burning within my heart. This is the best that I can do for you. I know I'm not the world's greatest speaker, and that's okay with me. At my age, I'm not trying to be anybody other than me. I assure you of that. There is not one preacher on this planet, though I have a great respect for so many men of God that I think are so much greater than me, but there is no one that I'm trying to emulate. There's no one I'm trying to copy. Let me say it that word. Except Jesus. <laughs> Except Jesus. I'm just trying to do, I'm just trying to live out how God has wired me. Can someone say amen? That's your success. It's when you do what you're supposed to do. When you try to do what someone else is supposed to do, you will be frustrated. Then I've got even worse news. You are going to frustrate God when you're trying to be like someone else. Just learn to enjoy someone else's talents. Say, look at them, man, look at them burn. But that's different than what I'm called to do. This message is burning in my heart. Last year, I walked into my boss. I, I'm, I work in the swimming pool business. I guess I'm what you would call a lay speaker. I don't know what that means. Are you an evangelist? Are you an apostle? Are you, an, are you a prophet? Are you, well, I'll tell you what I am. I'm a God seeker. How about that? You put that title on me. Y'all had a special speaker today? What was he? Who were he? Crittenden County. Is there anything good come out of Crittenden County? What's with that deal? What is he? He's a God seeker. Out of work with me. How many God seekers are here? Yeah. 
gave you one more chance to raise your hand. Yes, God seekers. So I go walk in my boss's office, and he's got these little index cards everywhere. And I didn't hear God speak to me, but I knew when I saw it, I knew God was, in fact, speaking to me. And on his office desk, he had all these cards. Get these lifeguards over here. Order these motors here. Got to pull in 10 more customers by this date. And I looked at all of his vision cards. Now, you got to understand, my boss, is a, I love him like a brother, but he's a little bit carnal. Can I say that here? I'm not sure the spiritual ladder goes all the way to the top. You know what I mean? But I love him like a brother. He's been good to me. And I'm loyal. So I'm loyal to him. But when I saw those cards plastered all over his desk, it's as if God's saying, why don't you do something like that? Patrick, have you ever read that verse in the Bible that says, write the vision plainly, make it plain so that you can stick it up, so that you can just run by and read it and get encouraged? Have you ever read where God told the children of Israel to write His laws upon the doorpost, on the sides of the doors? And over? Has, anyone, has anyone ever heard that? Yeah. It's like, so the Lord was saying, well, have you ever? I'm saying, yes, yes, Lord, I've heard of that. That's a, that's a great idea. Is that a new idea? No, that's not a new idea. That's been around a long time. So the Lord is saying, why don't you do it? And I said, oh, yeah, I think I should do that. I think I should do that. I think I'm going to do it. And a month went, month went by and I hadn't done it. And two months went by and I hadn't done it. Sometimes that's how we do, isn't it? God speaks to us. Why don't you do this? And we go, cool. We get excited. But we have to have something called follow through. You can control your own follow through. It's very important. Now, I don't want anyone to get condemned because listen to my story. I'm going months, for goodness sake. And God is saying, get these cards. And I'm saying, okay. Next time I'm at Walmart, I'll get some. So finally, about January 1st of this year, I said, I'm finally going to obey the Lord on this very simple task that He has given me. So I bought these index cards. And as I read through the Bible now, if it jumps out at me, if it's on fire, if it ministers to me, if it excites me, I write it on an index card. And what I do is I take these and I shuffle through them and I read them all the time. And I want to tell you, I need God's help more than anyone in this room. But I assure you, if you will do that and follow these little instructions, you will turn into a different animal. And if you don't watch it, fire will start growing in your bones and you will begin to think differently. And uh, I'm here today because I'm thinking a little bit differently. And I want to share a little of this fire with you. Is that okay with you? Are you sure? Is this all right with y'all? Good. I like y'all already. Are y'all having fun? I'm a little unusual, aren't I? You've never quite seen someone just like me, have you? That's okay. I'm harmless. I'm pretty normal. Pretty normal. Then the chief priest said to Jesus, Swear an oath in front of the living God and tell us, Are you the Messiah and are you the Son of God? Jesus when you read through the Gospels, he's not always quick to tell you who he is. He's a little shifty. As soon as Jesus starts plainly declaring all he is, they were going to kill him. And so he would be very quick to say this to his disciples. But the Pharisees and the religious, the Lord would just frustrate the daylights out of them. He would, he would avoid giving them straight answers. 
I think because he enjoyed doing it. But there was a reason he did it. But now here he's on trial. And it's all coming down to this moment. Are you the Messiah, the Son of the living God? And his answer was very plainly, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I want to talk today a little bit about our words and speaking that fire that's in your belly to get it out and to speak it in the heavenlies. Is that all right with you? Now, some of you are going to say, good Lord, this guy is going back to the 70s. It's worse than that. I'm not going back 40 years. I'm going back 3,500 years. How's that for old sermon material? I'm going back 3,500 years. I'm right on the cutting edge, aren't I? Hang with me. Don't you dare fall asleep. And you can't get mad at me till the sermon's over. And if I haven't preached you happy by the end of the sermon, you have my permission to be mad at me. You just, you just, you just scorn me all the way out of the building. But don't do it yet. I'm just having fun with y'all. In Matthew 26, Peter sat outside the palace and a damsel came forward. And she said, you were with Jesus the Galilean. Peter said, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. He walked over to the porch and another lady saw him and said, this guy was with Jesus. This time Peter swore with an oath. He said, I swear, I do not know the man. And then after a while, I guess he moves over to another side of the temple. And others came by and said, surely you are one of them for even your accent gives you away. Simon Peter could not hide. His accent and his words were giving him away. And I want you to know something. Your words also are giving you away. See, you can listen to someone talk, and if you're of average intelligence and you've been around a while, you can tell where they're from by their accent. But in the spirit realm, they can tell where you're going by your accent and by the words that you say. God, who knows everything, so I'm not even going to put him in this category. The angels, the demons, they know where you're going. They know if you're a threat. How do they know? Well, I think in the spirit they can see this anointing on you. But all they have to do too is listen to your words, your message. What comes out of your heart? How much steam comes out when you say it? How much do you mean it? How much are you willing to get on the edge and declare it? Can I share this with y'all? Are y'all okay? Everybody all right? Have I injured anybody yet? If you're happy, somebody smile at me. Please. Yeah, it's good stuff. In the spirit, you openly declare to that world, to the real world, where you're going. How do they know where you're going? You don't even know where you're going, but they know where you're going because they're listening to the way that you speak. Now, there's a story in the Old Testament that talks a lot about this. And I'm going to move real quick, but it's out of Judges 12, verse 4. And I'm going to read it for you. You guys are such a spiritual church. Y'all still bring your Bibles. God bless you. At our church, they just bring their phones. No one brings a Bible. They bring their phone. I think there's something special about reading the Bible. Then Jephthah... Uh, uh, their phones have a Bible app on there. Let me say that. Okay, they're actually reading the Bible, but it's their phone. Okay, you get it. So there's a story in the Old Testament 
There's this guy named Jephthah. These are really wordy names. If I'm going to lose you, this is the spot. Jephthah is from the clan of Gilead. And they were at civil war with the tribe of Ephraim. A mini civil war. They're all Jews, but you got the Ephraimites, and they have a, a, a disagreement with the clan of Gilead. And what they said about Gilead was really nasty and dirty. I'm going to take a chance, but this is what they said. You guys are half-breeds and rejects. Now that's inflammatory. When you start talking like that to someone, you're asking for trouble. And that's exactly what Ephraim, the children of Ephraim, said to the clan of Gilead. Hey, you rejects. Mixed bloodline. Y'all not even the real deal. Gilead took great offense at this. They went to war, and Gilead and West Kentucky vernacular gave them a good old whooping. Now, (coughs) the Ephraimites just took a big whooping. They're saying, now we've had enough of this. We shouldn't have called them names. Let's go home. Well, there's only one way to go home. We've got to cross the Jordan River. Down there in the shallow, we've got got to cross the river. And we've got to go home. What's our only hope, boys? Let's go. So here comes the Ephraimites trying to sneak home. Jephthah and the clan of Gilead, though, had a plan. If we catch them, we're going to kill them. I know it's graphic, but hey, it's not a video game. It'll be okay. Okay. This is how we're going to catch them. We're going to catch them by the words that come out of their mouth. Huh? We all look the same. We're all Jews. We all buy our clothes at the same place. We all look the same. But we're going to catch them by how they talk. And how they talk is how we catch them. And then when we catch them, we're going to kill them. We like that plan. The clan of Gilead said. So they're waiting at the Jordan River in the shallow part of the river. And sure enough, here they come. Here's the Ephraimites with a big old grin on their face. How y'all doing? We're just going to cross the river. We're just going to head on home. Where are y'all from? Oh, we're Gileadites. We're just like you. We're just going to cross the river and go on home. And here was the trick question. They said, okay, if you are a Gileadite, say this word. Say Shiboleth. And they couldn't say it. It's like asking me to speak Spanish. My wife can speak Spanish. She's Latino. She's Latina. But I can't speak Spanish. It's like putting me in Japan and say, let me hear you order sushi in Japan. Are you kidding me? You're not from Japan. Get out of here. So that would be the same thing. So they said to these guys from Ephraim, say Shiboleth, and they couldn't do it. And they said, Siboleth. They left the H off. You're not from Ephraim. You're, you're not from Gilead. You're an Ephraimite. And they killed him. Next guy's come through. Hey, how y'all doing? Okay, we're just trying to get home. They're just trying to get home before they get killed. Okay, you're trying to go home. You're, are, you Gil, are you Gilead or Ephraimite? Oh, we're just like you. We're Gileads. Okay, uh, okay, well, let me hear you say something. Okay, say Shibboleth. Can I hear that one more time? Shibboleth, thank you. And they went, Sibboleth. Okay, 
This happened till they killed 42,000 people. Now, the point I want to make, <clears throat> and I'm living by this stuff, and I'm eating and breathing this stuff, and I'm trying to share with you out of my overflow, is this. The Jordan River, the Jordan, the Jordan means to descend, to go down. Because that's what the Jordan does. It goes all the way through Israel and it goes down. We constantly find ourselves through this walk of life and this spiritual walk. Sometimes we actually go down into a low area. Somebody say amen. It's not all mountaintop. Sometimes it's the low area. Well, let me tell you, you've got an enemy. He's a type of a Jephthah, but his name's the devil. And he's sitting there while you're going through your low area. And he challenges you. And he wants to hear what you're going to say. Catch this. It's going to change your life for somebody. He's trying to hear what you're going to say, what's in your heart. And the devil's going to say, say Shibboleth. And you go, uh, Sibboleth. And you flunk the test. Okay, Pat, you're getting weird. What does all this mean? The word Shibboleth means the full ear of corn. That's all it means. The full ear of corn. Have you ever gone, tried to get some corn on the cob and half the kernels are gone? Am I the only one that that happens to? You've, you've ripped me off. I went by your, your country food stand, got 12 ears of corn. I got home, took the shucks down, half the kernels are gone. I'm mad. I want the full ear of corn. The full ear of corn. It speaks of, I hate to say the word, but i got to say it. It speaks of abundance. It speaks of empowerment, more than enough, the full ear of corn. And the devil says, you're going through a tough time. You're going down. You're going through a low point in your life. Let me hear you say, say the word, say the word, Mr. Christian. And we either say, shibboleth. I still believe in the full ear of corn. I'm still marching for it. Though I'm going through a low period in my life, I want you to know that I believe in the full fruitfulness of my life and I will survive this. Because if you say anything else, that's flunking the test and the devil wants to know if you're going to pass that test or not. So when we go through low times, we have to keep projecting a strong positive it's all right to tell somebody you're hurting it's all right to cry when you're at home and to say your prayers I do the same thing but when the devil's challenging you you've got to have some fire in your gut and you've got to put forth a positive message to the devil can somebody say amen now I don't want to get too wordy on on what words mean because I think that's crazy but you, I've got to give you one more here Ephraim, what does Ephraim mean? Ephraim was Joseph's second son. And he named him double fruit. That's, that's what Ephraim means. Double anointing. Or a double portion. Now catch this. Ephraim is trying to sneak back across the river. What does your name mean, Ephraim? I am double anointed. Really, I am double fruit. Really, I have the double portion. Because when I was young, someone prophesied over me and said, You are going to be doubly anointed. How many of you have ever received a personal prophecy by a visiting minister? Well, we better start prophesying in here. It's only about five or six of you. Okay. How many of you have seen it done? 
Here's my point. Ephraim had a personal prophecy spoken over him. You are, have a double portion. Praise God. But it doesn't matter what someone else says about you. It doesn't matter what someone else puts a title on you. It doesn't matter what the preacher said about you 10 years ago prophesying under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. You want to know what really matters is what you say about it. And you know what? That's more important. Because most of you have said, I've never had a personal word like that. Well, you know what? This is, your, this is, your, this is a good day for you. You can do your own prophesying over your own life. If you love the Lord, give Him a hand clap. <clears throat> what does your name mean? <laughs> Double anointing. Cool. How's that working out for you? I hadn't seen anything yet. Really? Uh-uh. Do you ever get out there and boldly talk over your life? About how you're blessed? About how you're the full ear kind of guy? Can you say the word shibboleth? Well, I, I guess I could, but that's kind of old-fashioned stuff. My parents talked about that back in the 70s. I think Joshua said something about that 3,500 years ago. But you know what? I'm into, more, I'm into some more stuff here. But you know what? There's a time that we have to speak forth. And, you know, the word meditate not only means to think, but it means to mutter and utter and speak forth God's plan and God's will. I'm just curious. Can anyone here say shibboleth? It's a weird word, isn't it? There's nothing magical about the word. But you just got to catch the spirit of it. When you're in a battle, here's your word. Shibboleth. It also means flowing. Go through a battle. Well, I'll tell you what. I know I'm in a battle. But what I am telling you, and I'm telling every devil in hell, I am in God's flow. You will not take that away from me. I will not, I'm, I'm talking as you talk to the devil. You will not take the flow away from me, Mr. Devil. It's, it's impossible. You're not big enough to knock me out of the flow of God. Let me tell you something else. I also believe in this thing, Mr. Devil, called shibboleth. I am experiencing and will experience the full ear of corn. Now, um, some Christians say, I don't think I can get that boat. Well, I can't tell you what that will mean to you, because I'm not a prophet. But for the Ephraimites, it meant life and death. I don't know what it means to us. But I assure you, it'll mean something. It'll mean something. Get out there and speak over your life. Is this all right, Pastor Lynn? Has anyone ever heard of this man, William Clement Stone? Yeah. That's what I thought. He, was a, he, he made a whole lot of money in his lifetime. And he gave tons of it away. His father died when he was three. Left the family impoverished because he had left a lot of gambling debts. At six, he was selling newspapers to help support his mama. 
By the time he was 13, he owned the newsstand. <laughs> now, that's, that's the full ear kind of guy. Well, I'm just going to sell papers for a while. And in seven years, he owned the whole newsstand. It's remarkable. He was very big on speaking over your life the things that you want it to be. He was quoted as saying this, You affect your subconscious mind by verbal repetition. You change your mind by verbal repetition. I told you this was an old revelation. It's 3,500 years old. And yet, God has brought me to this time and time again this year. Before this man died, he got Richard Nixon elected twice. That may evoke different emotions in different people in this congregation, but it's the truth. The only reason Nixon got elected twice was because this guy gave him millions of dollars every time he ran. So you can thank this man for his, or curse this man for his election, whichever side of the, of the great divide you find yourself on. The point is he gave away millions of dollars. It is estimated that he gave away $275 million in his lifetime to charities. Gosh, that's a ton of money. Pat Brown, you talking about money? I am. I am. I'm really talking about the full ear of corn, whatever that means to you. I'm talking about living a life of victory and living a life of being in God's flow. I'm not worried about the money, but I will not forfeit. I am committed to not forfeiting the flow of God. And when I'm in God's flow, and when I have the full ear of corn, when I have His anointing in my life, the rest will follow. Whatever God has will want me to follow. That double anointing reminds me of a story when I went to Bible school in 1977. I met a guy down here on the corner of Tennessee, and uh, Elvis Presley had just passed away. So the whole world was talking about Elvis Presley. And I remember I met up with this guy, and he, was, he, he fancied himself an evangelist. He says, yep, I don't know where Elvis's anointing went. And that was a foreign idea to me. I thought, I don't, even know, I don't even know what planet you're on. Who even says that? He says, yeah, Elvis is gone, and I don't know where his anointing went. And I'm going, what is that? I go, really? So I'm, I'm, I'm a young guy, and I'm thinking, well, let me learn something. He says, well, yeah, somebody's got his anointing. I thought, I've never heard of such. But anyway, I says, okay. He says, I've asked God that I would have a double anointing of Elvis's anointing. I says, well, praise God. I'm going to get on down the road there, brother. Good luck with that. We'll see you later. Well, I appreciate him for his enthusiasm. I've never heard of him since. I don't know where Elvis is. And I didn't even know Elvis was anointed, but I hope he was, and God bless him. Here's a fascinating verse. God told Joshua, this is what I want you to tell my people forever. So that includes us. Do everything that I ever taught Moses and don't turn away and if you don't you'll succeed in everything you do you'll, have, you'll be a full ear of corn type, type person never stop reciting what does the word recite mean? recite what does the word recite mean? speak Yeah. never stop speaking these teachings you must think about them day and night only then 
will you prosper and succeed. I'm going to go to our last point, but I want to say a couple of words about this. When you're proclaiming that you're a shibboleth type of person, you're not convincing God, nor are you twisting God's arm. I'm sure you already know God's already for you. You don't have to twist His arm on nothing. He's already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. We're not twisting God's arm. God, if anything, God's twisting our arm. When you going to get on this? When are you going to get on this program, right? I don't even. I'm not even in this conversation. I'm not even saying you're convincing the devil. You're either going to beat him or you're not. But you're not going to convince him. Who are we convincing when we are reciting these words over and over? I am a shibboleth type of person. I am going to have the full ear of corn. I am going to be in the flow. Nothing is going to stop me. Who are we convincing when we say that? I'm convincing myself. This is my battle. It's if I believe I'm a shibboleth type of person. God already says I am. The devil doesn't agree with me. So I'm going to be the deciding force. If you have trouble pronouncing the promises of God, keep practicing. I don't know what you will miss in life if you don't, but I know you and me, we will miss something if we don't do it. One more story before my last story. Shibboleth. I'm the full ear kind of guy. I'm the full ear kind of guy. I want the whole thing. I want it all. There's nothing wrong with that mentality. I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting older every day. Birthdays just keep on flying by. Bam, 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 bam. I used to look different. Kenny used to look different. Kenny and I used to have a whole lot more hair. Look at us, Kenny. How does this happen? We keep living. My point is, what are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? Are there any entrepreneurs in here? Is there anyone here that says, I view myself kind of as an entrepreneur? That's cool. Thank you. Are there any people in business for yourself? I run my own business. Not, no more. <laughs> Did you have enough? <laughs> okay. All right. Anyone in here have some ideas on some things you'd like to do? You just hadn't done it yet? I just feel like God kind of wants me to do this, but I just hadn't got started yet. Now, I believe there's more in here that's done that than's raising your hands. Hey, I've kind of wanted to do this, but I just didn't know when to start. And I kind of wanted to do it, but I just didn't know if I should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to give you a little announcement. You can take it or leave it. I think it's time that you got started. Oh, I don't have any time. I work a full-time job. What about Saturdays? Do you know that God works six days a week? I thought I'd share that. Maybe you ought to take Saturday and pursue that passion that's been in the back of your mind. You say, dude, I got enough money, I don't have to do nothing. Well, God bless you. I'm really proud of you. That's good for you. Go for it. But for the most of the rest of us, we're not quite there yet. 
I met a guy back when I was living in Texas, and he brought me over. He, he was uh, an older guy, and he played the accordion. He was kind of cool. I, I really liked him. I knew his son, and he invited me over to his house. He says, I want to show you my house. I says, cool. So when I, he had a beautiful house. My goodness, it was immaculate. It was beautiful. It's like there it, it was gold stuff everywhere. He, I says, you have a wonderful home. He says, yep, man, my wife are fixing it up. And uh, when we get it fixed up the way we want it, we're going to have home groups. I says, that's cool. That guy died about four years ago. He never got his house fixed up enough to have a home group. And the tragedy here is that was the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful homes I've ever been in. I've never lived in a place as nice as that. What are you waiting on? But in his mind, it was not good enough. I've got to wait till everything is perfect and then I'll get started. Is anyone here listening to me today? When I get everything lined up, I'm going to go for it. And he never got it lined up. He has gone on to his great reward. And he never started his home group. And he had a perfect home. Our mind plays tricks on us. God is saying, you are one in the ten million. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, when God made you, He broke the mold? We usually say that, and we don't mean something real nice when we say it. Ooh, brother, when God made you, He really broke the mold. <laughs> tell you that. Well, you know, that's true for all of us. Everybody say, when God made me. Everybody help me. When God made me. He broke the mold. It's true. You have specific talents, abilities, callings, visions, passions, dreams that God put in your heart. When are you going to move on them? Because if you don't move on them, no one's going to move on them. Well, I'm going to do it when I get my house looking good. Isn't that something? I'm going to close now with one of my favorite stories of my life. I discovered it this March, Pastor Lynn. I know I've read it many times, but I just didn't ever realize it said it like this. You ever do that? You ever read something, you go, I never read it like that. It's good to read your Bible, because you'll discover things you never saw before. So, remember a while ago we were talking about Ephraim. The guy whose prophetic name meant, I am double blessed. I have a double anointing. A great man of God once spoke over me and said, You, sir, you are going to shake the countries. You're going to shake the continents. Good. I'm excited. What are you doing about it? Oh, I'm not doing anything about it. I'm waiting on the Lord. Oh, okay. And when did you get that word? Oh, I got it about 25 years ago. How old are you now? Oh, I'm nearing 60. And what was your prophetic message? My ministry is going to change the world. That's cool. What do, you do? do you even teach anywhere? Oh, no. I'm just kind of sitting at home waiting on God. It's been said before, but I'll say it again. Y'all like me, don't you? I'm doing all right, aren't I? You know I'm on your side, don't you? We're all the same here. Absolutely. It's been said before. You say you're waiting for God, but what I hear is God is saying, I'm waiting on you. The Israelites got the Ark of the Covenant on top of their shoulders. And the Jordan River is flowing like crazy. 
And they're saying, we're waiting on God. Okay, let's just watch the river for a while. Okay, we're waiting on God for a while. This is not my last story, by the way. Okay, we're waiting on God. Joshua goes, uh, I, don't, I think if we're waiting on God, we'll be here forever. You guys should start walking. What? They just start walking. What? Start walking. Okay. And when they walked, what happened to the Jordan River? It split. Some things are never going to happen until you start walking. It's not going to happen. Ten years from now, you'll be telling someone, God told me 45 years ago I'm going to change the world. But until you and I start walking, the river will not split. I hope you all having as much fun as I am. Because I sure do love you. I'm just having a big time here. I'm bearing my soul to you. I am unleashing this fire that's in my bones for you. And if you don't have me back, I understand. Okay. Now, Joseph's, uh, Joseph's descendants, Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph had two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh. They kind of developed something I'm going to call the entitlement mentality. And with this, I'm going to close. Ephraim, I hear you're double anointed. That's right. That's what my name means, double anointed. Who's your dad? Joseph. He's the number two guy in the kingdom of Egypt. Second only to Pharaoh. That's, uh, that's my pedigree. <clears throat> I'm Joseph's boy. Yeah, everybody prophesied over me. I'm double anointing. Man, I got it all. I got the gifting. It's good. Yeah, I'm waiting on God. It'll come. It'll come to pass. That's good. Now, the children of Israel have been in uh, Egypt for 400 years. Joshua brings them across the river. Joshua is killing giants left and right. They are conquering. They are winning. And then Joshua says, we've destroyed enough. I can now divvy up the promised land. Okay, give me four minutes. I may take five. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to divvy up the promised land. Tribe of Gad, you get that area. And everyone in the tribe of Gad went, yay. The tribe of uh, Judah, you get over there by the Jordan River, yay. The tribe of Zebulon, you get over there in that area, yeah, that's the one I wanted. Reuben, you get to go over there, great. Tribe of Levi, you can go over there. Naphtali, I'm going to put you over there. He says, great. And so they give all the tribes away. And then finally he gets to Joseph's descendants, the children of Ephraim and Manasseh. And he says, you guys get right over there. All's well and good for about a day. Here's the conversation. I'm going to... Say this the way I want to say it. Joshua, yeah, hi guys, come on in. Hey man, how you doing? Good. Boy, we really kicked those giants. You, sir, you are really something, Joshua. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're really something. Now listen, we got a little problem. Me and my buddies here, uh, Manasseh, uh, you know, I'm Ephraim, and we're, we're their grandchildren. We were kind of discussing things amongst ourselves, and we noticed, I'm sure it was an oversight, but we noticed that you, uh, you only gave us a small area. And we just kind of want to ask, how come you gave us such a small area? I'm just asking. 
You know, uh, Joseph was, uh, we're, we're descendants of Joseph. You know, kind of a big deal. And you kind of gave us a little area over there. Now, what do you think Joshua said to those guys? Uh, uh, why did you only give us one tribal allotment as an inheritance? We have many people. Oh, because the Lord has been blessing us. And Joshua goes, If you have so many people, then go to the forest and clean you out an area and you can have all the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaim, which was more giants, because you say Ephraim's hill is too small for you, then you can go tear down some trees, clear you out an area, and live expansively. What an answer I wanted. Uh, no, no, let's go over this again. You gave, it, you gave everybody some land, and you gave us this area. But you see, uh, Joshua, uh, l- let me put it to you this way. Those are giants over there, and they have iron chariots. Do you know what an iron chariot is, Joshua? We have wooden chariots, and they have iron chariots. Like this is going to change Joshua's mind. Joshua goes, tell you what, you say your hill country is not big enough, then go in the land of all the Canaanites, even though they have iron chariots, you can get them, you can conquer them, you can beat them. You are strong. God is with you. You will not just have one allotment. You will have the hill country. And you'll have this country. Because it's a forest. Clear it. Drive out the Canaanites. And even though they have iron chariots, you will win because you are going to be empowered. Now, if you're an entitlement type Christian, you're going to have difficulty. But if you've got a choice between my entitlements or my empowerments, I want to advise you to say, God, give me empowerment. Because if I'm just an entitlement person, I have to depend on another person. But if I'm an empowerment Christian, I depend on God to empower me. Someone should say, I like it. I like it. Go out there and clear out an area. Now, I'm closing now. Regretfully, I'm closing. This word, cut down the trees and clear you out an area. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, believe me. But over 300 times in the Old Testament, you'll find the phrase, cut down and clear out. Cut down, clear out. We want more territory. Cut down and clear out. It's not big enough. Cut down and clear out. I want more. Cut it down and clear it out. Jabez, what are you here for? Uh, God, I just wanted more territory. I just, I'm tired of pain. I'm tired of pain. I just want more territory, Lord. I want you to take evil away from me. I'm tired of it causing pain in my life. I'm tired of causing my mama pain. I just want you to take pain away. And one more thing, God, I want more territory. And do you remember what God said? You got it. My wife told me to settle down today, but it's just so hard. It's just so hard. Over 300 times you find the word, cut it down and clear it out. Cut it down and clear it out. 
That comes from a variety of Hebrew words. But two times in the whole Bible, it means something different. And just for you, I have told you the story on those two times that that word means something different. And I'm getting ready to to drop a bomb on you and tell you what it means. When Joshua said, clear, cut it down and clear it out, it is a very unique interpretation. It's only in this story in the Bible. Only one time and this is what it means. We want more territory. And Joshua says, cut down the mess, clear it away, and be creative. Well, now that's a different thought. Be creative. This word, cut down and clear out, is usually interpreted in the King James Bible as create. As in, God created the heaven and the earth. It means God cleared out an area and got creative. I want to leave y'all. This is all I got. You've, You've got a creative. You've got a creative nature. Don't ever say you can't create. You're not telling the truth. You are creative. When you guys tired of stretching that extension cord from there to there, after 20 years, you say, shucks, I'm just going to put me another double receptacle over there. That way I don't have to run that extension cord all the way over there. You just got creative. Ladies, are you, re- are you finally tired of cooking your husband's mother's dry, raunchy cornbread recipe? Well, why don't you get a little bit creative? Put a little bit extra olive oil in there, maybe a tablespoon of sugar, and just put a little buttermilk in there instead of sweet milk, and your husband will eat it, and he'll say, you have finally mastered my mother's cornbread recipe. And you'll say, no, I didn't. I threw your mama's no-good recipe out the window. I got creative. This is what the word means. We want more territory. They have iron chariots. Doesn't that, sound like, doesn't that sound like some Christians you've met before in your life? I want more. How come I only got one? How come the life's been so tough on me? How come no one's sitting here crying with me? Because I've had such a tough way to go. Well, you need a pat, you need a hug, and you need some prayers. You need someone to love on you. But you also need someone to tell you, remind you what God says. I know. It's tough cookies. Get out there. Clear you out an area and create something. My wife likes to make jewelry. She was not a natural, but she had a passion for it. And so for about seven years, she's been making jewelry and trying to sell it in stores. It's kind of a cool story. She finally got two or three stores to pick up her jewelry. She's just so happy, so excited, and I'm so proud of her. She's a very shy woman. She's not loud like me. She's very sweet and very nice. You would love her. She's just very nice. She's, she doesn't talk. She doesn't want to talk. But, man, when she goes into the store to talk about her jewelry, she turns into a different animal. She's creative. She says, I make jewelry would you like to see my jewelry? And they say, yeah, I'll look at it. So she had three stores. In March, she says, Pat, I want to quit my job. I says, what? Are, are you sure this is the Lord? Are the Lord? Is the Lord speaking to you? I'm tired of this job. I'm tired of what they're telling me to do. I'm tired of the compromise. I'm tired of them telling me to almost lie. I'm not going to do it no more. I said, you go for it, girl. I'm behind you 100%. What are you going to do? I'm going to pursue jewelry. I says, I like it. 
It's faith. Do it. I'm behind you. We'll tighten our belt. We'll tighten the budget. We'll quit drinking as much Starbucks. We'll quit eating as much Taco Garcia food. We'll do whatever we've got to do. So she starts pursuing her dream. All I want you to do is pursue your dream. I think if the Lord here, he would say things so much better than me. But I think part of what he'd say is, you've got to pursue that dream that's in your heart. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? I put it in you. I put it in you. So I read this story in March. I've been meditating on this for five months. You want more territory? Clear you out of space. Cut some trees down. Get creative. There's no other way, folks. You just want to sit around and wait? I say that very humbly and respectfully. So I shared this story. I says, Dion, come here. I'm not preaching at you, honey, but I want to share a story with you. And she loves it when I have good anointed stories. And she kind of lets me know when they're not any good. But she liked this one. I said, this is what you're going to come against. You're trying to sell your jewelry or your cupcakes or your woodworking project or your fence post or your carving big bears out of trees. I don't know what's in your heart, but there's something in your heart. There's something God's telling you to move on. But this is going to be your temptation, honey. You're going to have to see all these other jewelry companies that are already established and you're going to be tempted to go, they have iron chariots. They have bigger websites than I've got. They've got larger congregations than I've got. They've got a bigger facility than I've got. They've got thousands of customers. They're in JCPenney's. For goodness sake, how can I ever sell jewelry? I says, but you know, honey, The Bible says that you just get out there and put your stuff out there, put your product out there, and get as creative as you know how to do. She said, I like it. And I knew when Dion liked it, I knew I had something. She tells me the truth. We got so excited. We just got so excited. Lynn, our hearts just exploded. Just that God would be sweet enough and nice enough to encourage us to pursue our dream. It meant something to us. It meant something to us. When she started that little program in March, one or two of her companies shut down and she had one customer. Today, this week, she picked up customer number 17. She's in 17 stores in Atlanta, Georgia. 16. One of them is in Nashville. What are you doing? Who is this woman? Did I, are you the same woman I married? You don't even say anything. But when she releases her passion, until we pursue our dream, you are not as good as you're going to be. Why should you be? That potential's trapped in you. When you pursue those God-given dreams... God releases something. And people go, man, you're something. You'll say, must be the Lord. See, I was standing there at the Jordan River all these years. I was waiting for the water to split. I was just waiting, going to church, waiting on the Lord. And finally, someone said, walk. And when I started walking, it split in front of me. Dion made it a point to let me know that this Tuesday 
she's picking up customer number 18. I said, that's really cool. So I think I'm done. Are you a shibboleth type person? You better be. No one else is going to. You have got to be your biggest cheerleader. So Pat, I'm going through a rough time. I know. I'm sorry. I've gone through a few rough times too. I know about tough times. But when you go through the descending Jordan River, you've got to tell the devil before he lets you by. Excuse me. Excuse me, devil. I'm marching on by. I'm a shibboleth type person. I'm in the flow. You understand, I believe in the full ear of corn. You're not going to rob me. God has given me a vision. He's given me a dream. Now you can sit here, devil, and withstand me till the cows come home if you want to. But let me tell you, I am going to pursue it. And if I get my feet wet walking through the Jordan River, it's just the way it's going to be. But I am not going to stop. And if you love Jesus and your pastor, give him a hand clap as your pastor comes. I really just want everybody just to bow your heads with me for a minute. Kenny, would you mind coming and playing just a second? This is two weeks in a row. I don't know if you caught that. This is two weeks in a row where God's referenced the same basic thing, specifically the story of stepping into the Jordan. Me and Pat had not talked. There's some people in this room, and I know, and I just don't know who you are, but I know there's at least two. And I don't, by the way, just say stuff like this all the time unless I really hear it. But there's at least two of you here, and maybe more, but there's at least two. That the story about standing with the ark, which represented the presence of God, it's not that you don't know the presence of God. It's not that you don't love God. It's not that you're not in the presence of God. It's not that you don't have a dream. It's not that you don't have a vision. It's not that you don't love God. You got all that. You hold it. You carry it. But you've been standing for a long time, waiting. And as Pat was closing that out, I just felt two specific things to say to whoever you are. One of the reasons you're still waiting is because you want to feel safe. You're looking for safety. You're afraid to move because you don't feel safe. Now guys, I'm not talking about being presumptuous. I'm not talking about just making random decisions. But, but I'm talking about something you know from God. You already have this dream. You know it's God. But you've been waiting for so long because you want to be safe. Guys, there's nothing to... Listen to me. There's nothing about God that's safe. Now, I, I don't mean to understand what I mean. God's not going to hurt you. God's a great and glorious God, and He loves you, and He's going to carry you through. But if, if by safety you mean that there's never danger, or there's never risk, or there's never pain, or there's never difficulty, that's not where God's at, guys. You can look all through Scripture, and you'll find out that God leads you into some very dangerous places sometimes. But the reason that you're safe and the only reason you're ever safe is because God don't let you go alone. He goes with you. He's there where you are. 
Your safety is not in a geographic place where you're familiar with. See, you think you're safe in a certain place that you're familiar with. And I'm speaking to two of you specifically. You think you're safe because you're in a place that you're familiar with, doing things that you're familiar with, the way that you're familiar with doing them. And in order to take this next step, you're going to have to do some unfamiliar things in some unfamiliar places with some unfamiliar people. And that's the part you've never been willing to really do, at least not for a while. You got to let go and trust God to know that where He leads you, He's going to be there with you. He's not leaving you alone. That's where your safety's at. Peter was safe walking on the water with Jesus because Jesus was there with him. It doesn't matter the storm, Jesus is there. So I don't know how many I'm talking to. It could be a lot of people, but I know there's two specific. I just don't know exactly who you are. But you're standing there. You're holding the presence of God. You've been in the presence of God. You love God. You've got a call of God. You've got a dream of God. But you want to stay where it's safe and you want to do what's familiar. But God's called you to the unfamiliar. And He's called you to go ahead and step out in faith knowing that He's there. You don't have to have everything lined up perfect before you take a step. If you're the one I'm talking to, if you're one of those two, you know it. There's not even a question. You know it. There may be, uh, this word was for everybody, but for, for many people, there may be some who are saying, well, I, I know that. I know. But there's some of you that your heart's been burning all morning long because you know the Holy Spirit's been speaking directly to you. This is nothing new. God's been confirming it and confirming it everywhere you turn. Now, this is two weeks solid that God's spoken it to you right here in different ways. And I challenge you in Jesus' name. Don't be afraid of the unfamiliar. Don't be afraid just because it's a a different place or a different face or a different way. Step out in obedience to what you know God is saying. Well, I don't know what God's saying. Then go find out. You've got His Word. You know certain things. If you're needing specific direction from God, go spend some time in the presence of God and let Him speak directly to your heart. But what was the last thing God said? What was the last thing God said? What did He say to you the last time you know you heard Him? I challenge you, don't be afraid to obey God. You'll find that God's going to meet you right when you step out in obedience to faith. Two weeks in a row, God said that to somebody. I know it's not easy, but I'm telling you it's worth it. Whoever you are, I challenge you right now, receive that word from the Lord. Take that step of faith. I pray for them, God, right now in Jesus' name. I thank you. You know who they are, whether it's two or whether it's 22 or however many. Father God, I know there's two in the room. Father God, I just thank you in Jesus' name that you're speaking directly to their hearts. You're encouraging them. Two weeks in a row, you're, you're, you're bringing up a new level or, or renewing a level of expectancy and hope that at one time burned very, very bright. But they've been looking to fulfill it in familiar ways and familiar places and familiar faces, things that they think are safe. But Father God, I just thank you as they hear the voice of the Lord, as they obey your word, I thank you that the one safe place to be is right where you are. And Father God, I thank you that they'll step out in obedience. I thank you there's no limit to what you can do when we take the limits off of you. 
Father God, I just thank you in the name of Jesus that strongholds of unbelief and doubt and disillusionment and disappointment and fear are falling off of hearts and minds right now, specifically off of these lives that you've been reaching out to these last two weeks. Father God, I just thank you for removing the hopelessness. But now, God, I pray that they would have the strength and the faith to take the step, to move, to say yes. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God. Amen. Can we stand together in the room today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, I just thank you that you have already spoken over our lives, and your word is true. I thank you, God, that you're not a man that you should lie, and your word cannot be changed. I thank you that you said your plan for us is good and not evil, to give us a future and a hope. So, God, if we don't see a future and we don't have a hope, either either we've forgotten your plan or we're not walking in it. So, Father God, I just thank you in the name of Jesus for speaking fresh life and fresh hope and fresh vision into our lives today. We come against that hopelessness over everybody in this room. Father God, we've been listening too much to the words of culture. We've been listening too much to the words coming over the airwaves. And we've not been spending enough time hearing your words. And Father God, I just pray that today we would hear the word of the Lord. And we would step out in obedience and faith and allow you to resurrect that vision and that dream in our hearts. And Father God, I just thank you for the doors that are open already in front of us Lord we don't even I I wanted to pray open a door but we don't I don't even feel like I need to pray that you opened a door a long time ago that door is already open all you're waiting on is for us to move to step to act to speak to live to obey Father God, I just thank you in the name of Jesus for open doors. I thank you for faith arising. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And our faith is in you, God. And we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We speak peace. We speak life. And that abundantly over this people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I love you. Thank God. Glad to have Kenny and Pat with us today. I know you're going to want to say goodbye to them today before they leave. Make sure you let them know what a blessing they've been. We're going to let you go. Remember, family night tonight. Do something with your family tonight. Be blessed and go in the grace of God.